Hello, everybody. We're here with your favorite podcast host, Barbara Bray. Hello. Hi, Andrew. How's it going? <laughs> it's wonderful. The sun's mm-hmm. shining and it's so good to just be here with you. Yeah, it's so good to be here with you too. And uh, I'm I'm always excited to to be the first one to witness your enthusiasm for the person in the conversation that you just got to experience. So tell me a little bit about this next conversation we're going to hear. Oh, I met Juliana Tofer at South by Southwest, and I was blown away, blown away. I, I just couldn't wait to learn more about her. She she was telling me about her film. She's a director and a writer and amazing person. She wrote and directed uh, Listen Courageously about... Um, actually, maybe I might not tell you everything yet. I want people to hear it because <laughs> I get it. it's I get all it. about brave, courageous conversations between people that don't always agree. And, and so much more that she's doing. I, I, I'm, I'm so excited and honored that she was on my podcast. Well, I'm sure everybody will agree that this will be a great conversation to listen to. So everybody stay tuned to listen to Barbara Bray speaking with Juliana Tafur. Well, I met someone that I'm so excited to share with my audience. I met Juliana Tafur at South by Southwest, and I have just been blown away. Juliana, I'm so excited to talk to you. Oh, you're so sweet, Barbara. It was a pleasure to connect, and I'm so happy to be here today. Oh, it was amazing. And okay, so I want to boast a little bit about you because there's a lot that I've learned. And I, I think everyone's going to want to know about you. Go for it. You're so sweet. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Okay. Juliana Tafur is an award-winning filmmaker and content director committed to using the power of film to generate consciousness about some of the most pressing issues of our time. I can't wait till they see your film. It's amazing. You see, Juliana has been on a listening journey for the past four years. First, as you know, she produced and directed the documentary, Listen. It's L-I-S-T and it's parentheses E, parentheses N. I did it right. Yes, you did. <laughs> and then she created the Listen Courageously movement. And now as she facilitates workshops on the power of navigating our differences through listening alongside her team. She runs Arcadia Films, which is the intersection of filmmaking, movement building, and workshop training. When I started looking at some of those ideas in the workshop, I was like, I've been wanting this. It's like we need it now more than ever, right? We do. We do. Which is why I created it, which is why I was inspired to use the film as a tool really to enhance uh, the conversation and have people realize that it is perhaps one of the most important things we can do right now amidst all the hatred and growing polarization. Uh, It's just so, because I've learned about active listening and I've learned a lot of things, but the in watching the, the well, we're going to talk about that, but I think we should learn about you first. 
I think a lot of people will want to know and connect with you about some of your background. Why don't you tell us a, a, a little bit about you and where you came from, how, where you grew up? Sure. So I'm Colombian-American. I moved to the United States when I was 15. My family was given political asylum in the U.S. And I really have had a series of experiences that have made me realize the importance of connecting with others at a human level. And some of those are I... During college, I went to Northwestern and I had a study abroad experience in Egypt where I met uh, refugees from all over Africa. And after graduating college, I went to live in Brazil for six years and worked there professionally. And I also married a Norwegian. And I think all of those kind of life experiences and getting out constantly of my bubble and being thrown into different environments uh, with different kinds of people has made me realize that what is left when we're in those spaces where either we become the other or where we're trying to connect and understand someone else, it's the human connection, really, what is there for us. And I think in that exploration of what that human connection meant in the context of our country, in the current climate of polarization and division, I think is what led me to create Listen, the film. And then after many lessons learned and after identifying the need really to do this deeper work and train people on the importance of navigating our differences, is that I created Listen Courageously, the workshop that we now take to academic institutions and um, organizations. Your journey is amazing. It must have been, I mean, I, I'm try, I was trying to write down furiously all the places you've been and, and the experiences you've had. Do you mind if I go back on just a few of them and ask you a little bit deeper? Is that okay? Sure, absolutely. Because you're 15, you're already a person. With a, and you moved here during a tough, that must have been tough for you. It was, uh, indeed. I was taken out of everything I knew at 15. And although I went to an American school growing up and I knew English, thankfully, I had to come to this country and be of a lot of help to my parents, um, whose English wasn't that good. And uh, I was kind of instrumental in walking them through the process of political asylum, all the paperwork that we had to submit. And it was uh, definitely a period of life that required lots of resilience and adaptation. Because we did get political asylum, I couldn't go back to Colombia for 12 years. So I left Colombia and I couldn't wow. go back for 12 years. Um, and at the same time, I was kind of grappling with my new identity in the U.S. because I wasn't an American either. I was in this in-between stage, you know? I was a little bit in limbo <laughs> um, because it wow. takes some, some time for you to get uh, your residency and eventually your, your passport. So it took 12 years. So it wasn't until I was a U.S. citizen with an American passport that I could go back to Colombia. 
How was that when you went back? Uh, it was fantastic to go back. It was kind of reclaiming uh, a part of me that I had left back. And um, we have a very big family, so it was really nice to gather with uh, the people who we hadn't had a chance to see, uh, who hadn't had a chance to visit us in the U.S. And, you know, it felt like going back to the 15-year-old um, that was left back there. <laughs> you know, there's so many issues with immigration right now. And I, I, I wonder, because you, you um, experienced that, you know, and then you also, you said in Egypt, you saw the refugees there and what was going on, if that had some influence on some of the things that you're doing now. Absolutely. Yes. Egypt was definitely instrumental in what I'm doing now. And here's why. I had studied journalism at Northwestern and I thought I would go into network news. I wasn't really convinced about, you know, going after daily news stories. And I had gone into journalism because I had really wanted to have an impact through film. Egypt, well, at first it was a study abroad experience where I just wanted to really get to know more about the Middle East, precisely because I was studying journalism. And uh, 9-11 had happened before I had gone to college. And I just wanted to understand that part of the world because that was the one part of the world that was a little bit foreign to me. In doing so, I just began teaching English to refugees from all over Africa. And in the process, I realized two things. (laughs) So I realized that, well, these people weren't so different from me because they had you know, left their countries um, in pursuit of a better life. And the only difference was the country that they had gone to and the rights that they had in that country. And I noticed how at the time I was still traveling around with a travel document. I didn't have a, I traveled with my Colombian passport and a U.S. travel document. I didn't have a U.S. passport. And it really made me realize how lucky I was to have moved to the United States and to have had the rights that I was able to have uh, and to have lived the life that I wanted to live um, and, you know, pursue the education that I wanted to pursue and kind of move ahead in life. But these people didn't have that option. The rights that they had in Egypt weren't being granted. And then I realized that I wanted to do a film about that. And I went back to Egypt a year later after I got a grant from Northwestern uh, to do it. So it, w- it ended up being a student film that I titled Rightful Yet Rightless. And it explored precisely that, the rights that they were supposed to have under Egyptian law, but how in essence those rights weren't observed and how they were in total limbo. If I had felt myself ever in limbo uh, between two countries because of not having a U.S. passport for, you know, 12 years, they were really in limbo because their rights weren't being observed. What I realized from that was how I wanted to do that kind of journalism, how I wanted to cover stories like the stories of the Sudanese. And as I ventured into the network world afterwards, when I began doing shows for Discovery and History and A&E and eventually Discovery, I always kept the Sudanese refugees and that experience that I had had in Egypt 
in the back of my head. And I'd always wanted to come back to that because that was the essence of this field that I had gone into. Uh, that was the why uh, behind the work that I did. It was, you know, the impact of being able to, to share these stories with the world and do something to change people's perceptions about, you know, some of the toughest issues of our time. Okay. So you and I have talked before. You never told me this story and I'm, I'm sitting here going, you were what, 20 when you went or 21 when you went to, I mean, you said you made a student film, you said. Yes. Yes. I, I hadn't graduated college. So I did my study abroad experience when I was 19 and I went back to do the film when I was 20. And that's amazing. I, wow. I went by myself with a little camera and a microphone. And um, this was at the time of the Hosni Mubarak regime. And I was not supposed to be recording anything. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, uh, How did you do that? I was being taken around um, basically to the slums of Cairo by Sudanese, who was my driver slash production assistant slash tour guide. <laughs> and uh, it was amazing. I don't know that, you know, I do it now. Um, when you have kids, uh, things change for you, but it was a great time of life to venture and do something crazy. That is amazing. I mean, I, I'm just, see what's happened though. That was your first experience with film that gave you the bug, but it also the idea of what it can do to impact others. And so, I mean, all these stories you were telling me about led to or Kidia, or how do you pronounce that? Orchidia, Orchidia Films. Orchidia Films. So you didn't have the film when you, I mean, did you have this company when you uh, started doing things with Discovery and A&E or was this more on your own before that? Well, it's funny because um, I didn't have a company when I did Rightful Yet Rightless. I was still a student. But then eventually I did put it under uh, what became Orchidia Films after I went to work for um, all the different networks. I was working for a production company out of Chicago doing all these series. And after some time doing that, I realized um, I wanted to go explore the world and get out of my comfort zone again. <laughs> so my then fiance, who I had met at Northwestern, uh, who's Norwegian, wanted to start a company in Brazil. And out of all places, my sister had lived there. And I thought, why not? Let's go together. You'll start a company and I'll start a company. And that's technically when Orchidia began. This was 2009. And by being there and by having done several shows for some of the cable networks, I found that, you know, a lot of production companies and the networks themselves began to kind of seek uh, my expertise in this realm uh, because I was big fish in a small pond, if you will. Um, I had the kind of the know-how of how to do this um, the U.S. way, and I was in Brazil, so I could execute it locally. And I was able to begin to do a lot of series for uh, mainly National Geographic uh, for a really long-running uh, series called Taboo. And I was able to do many, many stories for them that took me across Brazil and across Latin America. And I can talk a lot about the kinds of stories I did uh, for Taboo, but they were 
along the lines of the slums of Cairo uh, stories. Uh, so anywhere between, you know, exorcisms in Colombia to people who live off recyclables in a trash dump in Guatemala City. So, and everything in between. I mean, are those on your site, Arcadia Films site? Do you have access to any of those so I can share some with people? Yeah, uh, they're on our Vimeo. And uh, yes, on our site, under the TV section of uh, the Arcadia Films website is where you'll find a few of these. Um, Some are, are old. I mean, some are from... 2010, 2011, 2012, they feel old right now. But uh, yeah, I think I have a portion, especially of the Guatemala City one up on uh, the website. So, Well, you know, right now with all the immigrants that are just starting to come from Guatemala, uh, some are children. I mean, I don't know if people realize what it's like living in the country there. I mean, they in America, they... We're pretty privileged here. <laughs> like you said, it's different being uh, here with the rights. Now that you have a passport and everything, you get it. But before that, when you were with people in Egypt, the refugees, I don't think people understand what it's like to be a refugee or to have no rights if you have them. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. Yeah, you don't. Why would you, right? Uh, you haven't yeah. been exposed to that life experience. So, um, yeah, you don't. You clearly don't understand it. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get back to the episode. See, what I I think is that what I love about your films that I've seen so far is the idea that you're actually putting yourself almost in that place so you can experience what it's like there, Mm -hmm. right? And that's what you started doing by going to Brazil and Guatemala and all of these. And that's probably which led you to listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I think listen apart from the need to... One, understand my place in our American society with all the hatred that was very, very prevalent and apparent four years ago after the elections. Um, I really wanted to show that we could do better as a society and that we were ready to have courageous conversations and to connect uh, deeply at a human level. So I decided to invite participants um, to partake in the experience of uh, filming with me. And they stood at opposite sides of the spectrum across three complex issues, uh, which are abortion, immigration, and guns. And I wanted them to connect at a deep level after getting to know each other's stories. I just held firm to that belief that this was possible, despite of many comments from people to the contrary. <laughs> um, because it's hard for us to kind of envision scenarios in which people do stop to listen and where we get to know the other person's story so deeply that we can still disagree with them but validate their experience. And that's exactly what listen showed us that it is possible to do. So I was thankful that 
the social experiment uh, really had turned successfully and that I had documented it to show the world um, that we can strive for these conversations and that we can connect uh, deeply despite our differences. I just think it's amazing. One, finding people who would want to partake in these conversations from either side and be open to it. I find myself in situations with people with different points of view, and I'm not sure how to do that. So can you explain maybe one of them, like maybe the one on gun control or how you found them and how it, I only saw the trailer. I haven't seen the whole film, but I'm, I want to, it's like, I want more because I'm just so amazed that you were able to bring them together. Yeah. Well, I think finding the participants was the hardest thing. The casting process took two months and I spoke to many people who were a little bit too angry (laughs) to want to come face-to-face with someone with the premise that they were going to hear what the other person had to say, right? That was it. That was my only ask. Eventually, I also wanted to find participants whose stories were deeply intertwined with the issues. So, in other words, whose stories were so powerful that just the fact of them sharing their story with their counterpart would elicit some sort of aha, I get it moment, right? So the pairing of the couples was really essential and uh, the understanding of, clearly I knew both their backgrounds. They didn't know anything about the other apart from it's going to be someone with an opposing viewpoint. And um, what happened in the course of the interaction is that at first I had them come together and speak only about the issues Afterwards, I had them come together and through art depict a moment that was really important to them or that really exemplified why they believed what they believed. And lastly, I had them come back together. And then during that second encounter, they were sharing their personal stories, right? The why behind they believe what they believe. And then lastly, in the third encounter, I have them come back together and see if there's anything else that has been unsaid that they want to share with the other, as well as write letters to each other. And in that process, I discovered that sometimes before the letter writing, they had, you know, deeply connected and understood why the other person believed what they believed, although they still disagreed. Without knowing it really, you know, I devised this, you know, three-step process that ended up lowering their guard down and making them listen and benefiting from the power of that. We need this so bad now (laughs) that I would love to see something like this, uh, you know, somehow replicated in schools. So I know that you said that there were like two parts to these workshops that you created around it. Part one is the one where they use the film to increase their kind of awareness of the other side and uh, the other points of view from the person they're talking to. Part two is to apply what they can see past stereotypes. That's big. 
because I was in a group webinar and someone mentioned, I think it was Dr. Isaac Carter mentioned the idea of we all have a self-self and we have an historic self. And that background builds these biases and it's hard to let go of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, just a brief uh, rundown. Uh, the part one basically uses the film as a listening tool and we break down what it means to listen well, especially we assess people's listening as they are listening to these individuals interacting in the film. And then from there, once they have you know, multiple realizations amongst them, perhaps I am not as great a listener, perhaps I am judgmental, perhaps I am jumping into conclusions about people before really getting to know them, then people are ready to do the deeper work and understand what listening blocks are coming up for them and are preventing them from being fully present in interactions, as well as when I am to enter a difficult conversation with someone, what are the different ways in which I can do that so that I can actually do that successfully? That's the focus of the part one session. And I'll just kind of leave it at that in very generic terms. Um, The part two session then takes the listening tools that we give people on the part one and applies them to navigate differences, all differences, racial, cultural, ethnic. So it does have a diversity, equity, and inclusion lens to it in that we are making people really realize that based on our identities, many of us have been in situations either because we are female or because we have come from a different socioeconomic background or because we spoke a different language at one point in our lives or because we have a sexual orientation that is different or because our, the color of our skin is different. So when we really realize that we have been in situations in which we have also been treated as less than someone else, then what happens automatically is that we get it. We get what it feels like for people who are really targeted and discriminated based on the color of their skin. And it's just the first step in a journey of allyship, but it's a step that a lot of people need um, to kind of be more aware of their part in it. Oh my gosh. (laughs) We need this more than ever now because I'm finding that I'm just, just trying to pull the ideas that you're saying and realize that it takes time to listen. It takes a heart to listen. It takes so much that this idea, I mean, it, it must have taken some time with just the, the people that were part of this film just to get to really know each other, right? It, oh, yeah. It took, it took some time um, across at the very least, three different encounters between the film participants for them to get in each other's worlds and try to connect with the lived experience of the other. So it's not easy, but it's absolutely possible. And yes, the film participants needed the time to be able to do it. 
now in the workshops, what we say is, you know, it starts with the commitment of wanting to do it. And it starts with having the tools also so that you can do it. And sometimes people really need to know that one, it's possible. And two, I am equipped and capable and willing of doing this. And then that's all it takes to begin a conversation. And you clearly need to know that the other person is receptive and willing and at a place to be able to have this conversation with you. And then you as a person need to make sure that it's safe for you and that you're also at a right place to engage. But I think if all those uh, criteria are met, then you can move ahead. And once you display to people your humanity and share your stories and why they matter to you, it is very unlikely that they won't display their humanity to you. Well, I want to get the word out. I want people to see your film. So we're going to make sure that we have the trailer on this post. And I also want them to learn about your workshops. I really think, I don't know if you put them in schools. I mean, have you started working with schools yet? I've been working in higher ed. Um, So far, uh, Listen Courageously has been at Ohio State University, Uh, twice. Um, It's been at Michigan State University. It's been at Northwestern University, uh, multiple schools there. So the journalism school, Kellogg Business School. I've been to a class as part of uh, Northwestern University in Qatar. So their, their Middle Eastern campus. And that's the extent of the higher ed space uh, that I've done, but I am definitely craving um, and and seeking an opportunity to work with schools and um, impact uh, both faculty staff as well as students. I even see parents. I mean, I just see the idea that this is almost an approach that um, it's almost like I wish I had had this technique when my children are young just to understand that they're coming from a whole different point of view. And a lot of times you had said something to me about, you know, empathy is about putting yourself in someone else's shoes, but maybe we just take our shoes off so we don't come in with our shoes still there. Remember when you said that to me and I thought, that's the problem. We still have that set in our heads that, our own stereotypes, our own bias, our own background. And I'm going to do anything I can to make sure people know about the film, your work, and Arcadia Films. I'm sure you're going to do some other things, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um, I love the the shoe metaphor that you just mentioned. Um, I use it in the training, and we do role play with it. And I was inspired by... A researcher in the field of listening, a professor out of the University of Mississippi. His name is Graham Bodie. And uh, Graham and I are part of the International Listening Association, of which I'm now a board member, which I'm really excited. Um, It's going to be announced soon. And uh, I've basically, after doing listen and understanding that the participants in my film who connected at a deep level were those who stopped to listen, I went ahead and understood better the impact of listening and joined the ILA, the International Listening Association, and began to kind of read and explore the topic further and uh, connected with some people who are my mentors now in this field. And 
that's really, that was the birth of Listen Courageously when I realized there's a whole universe out there. And this wasn't really a film just meant for the film festival circuit, um, for which I was very excited to be a part of and to go to, you know, big festivals like the Miami Film Festival and Sarasota Film Festival and get awards for it and such. But really the impact was in the one-on-one sessions and in being able to use it as a tool for transforming people and getting them to look deeper at their own listening and at themselves to become better humans. (sighs) I don't even know. I mean, this idea of listening so you can become better humans is just beautiful. I just want to cry right now. I just wish we could do this right now with everything, all the hate and anger that people have. This is what we really need. Juliana, you're just remarkable. What a gift that I got to be here with you today. Well, the gift is really all mine. Um, I just wrote um, a post for social media yesterday that I think it's worth um, just leaving here. And this was inspired by what we have seen uh, recently of uh, hatred and racism and the attacks on our Asian American uh, kind of brothers and sisters. So I wanted to post something on uh, social media and I just like, I couldn't find the words really. And, and then I just, I just said, okay, I'm just going to do a little photo with just these. And, And it says ending hatred. If only we saw human to human, forgot labels, realize there's more that unites us. If only we'd listen courageously. If only. Well, you know, I use a quote at the top. Guess what? You just gave it to me. It's beautiful. Thank you. It's just beautiful. Oh, Juliana, thank you so much. This has been like, you know, I always like to say we're going to be just on our porch and talk. (laughs) I feel like I really know you and. That was a real wonderful porch talk. (laughs) Thank you for allowing me the platform and for just opening your heart so that I can share the story and connect with others. Well, Juliana, this is the beginning of a a good relationship here because I'm going to be sharing your story. And I'm just so fortunate that we, you signed up for my mentor (laughs) time and I got to meet you and Ah, you're you're mentoring me now because oh. this is a whole new uh, a new way of of looking and seeing and listening. Listening, there's so much power in listening, Barbara. So much, so much power. This is beautiful. Thank you so so much. This is Barbara Bray. Thank you for listening to the Rethinking Learning podcast and my conversation with Juliana Tafur about her amazing journey, her Arcadia films, her award-winning film, Listen Courageously, and workshops that take listening deeper. There's a blog post that goes with this podcast about Juliana that is on my Rethinking Learning website, which is at barbarabraid.net. It would be an honor if you subscribe to my Rethinking Learning podcast. Did you know that there are hundreds of podcasts I've done where my guests and I feel like we're sitting and talking on my porch? Every podcast has a complimentary blog post on barbabray.net that expands on the conversations with links, resources, pictures, videos, and contact information. While you're there, click on the Define Your Why tab. It's all about my book, 
and I've also included guiding questions and lots more. There's a toolkit for you under the resources tab. Oh, there's so much there. So please subscribe to my website to receive announcements, updates, and resources. There are so many stories on my site. All of our stories matter. Your story matters. Now we need each other more than ever. Keep sharing your story and please stay safe and be well.